0: So it's really good for us to be back from vacation. Uh, as many of you know, we took some time away, we, we visited family, we drove all the way around Lake Superior, we circumvented the whole thing and camped along the way, it was great. Uh, and then I went fishing with my dad for a little bit, so it was really, really good. And it sounds like things went really smoothly here, like that's awesome! And, and it's so great for us to be able to to go away and just rest assured and truly relax because things are going to go smoothly here. And I think that's just a huge testimony to how amazing this team is, how great this community is. Um, I, I would share with folks or befriend folks as we were traveling and share with them that, I, that, that Molly and I are pastoring this church and that we're gone for such a long time and everyone was like, so is, is the church still meeting or anything? Um, of course they are. I've got the best team in the world. Like This is a wonderful, wonderful group of people. And we missed you so much. And, and, and it's not just because of your hard work ethic, although that's very, very awesome, but this is just such a sweet, gentle, good, genuine, kind community, and we missed it. And it's really, really, really good uh, to be back now. And we're really excited to finish summer and then just launch into this next ministry year. Uh, This is going to be a great time. And if this is your first Sunday here, welcome. Uh, I look forward to meeting you, and, and I hope that this morning is a blessing to you, and I also hope that Restoration can be a home for you, because this is a great home to be a part of. And yes, I'm biased because I'm the pastor, but I really mean that with all my heart. This is a, a wonderful place to belong to, and I invite you into this. So uh, today we're going to be discussing prayer. Uh, You probably caught that theme running throughout the Collect uh, and the three passages. Uh, Today we're going to be discussing prayer. So the word enough is everywhere in our society. We hear that word enough all the time, especially in conversations about anxiety, in conversations about loneliness, about exhaustion. Uh, David Zoll has a wonderful little book called Seculosity, I encourage you all to pick it up, and in his introduction, he talks about the plague of enough that is all over our society and within our own hearts, and he talks about how we all have this benchmark of value in our minds, and we somehow think that if we were able to achieve that benchmark, if we were able to be there, if we were able to achieve enough, then we would be enough, then we would feel good enough. And so many ways, this is why we work ourselves to death, because we want either to receive the acceptance of our colleagues or we need, we need enough money, is what we tell ourselves. Many of us assert ourselves in relationships because we don't have enough approval, we tell ourselves. We're not happy enough, we're not thin enough, we're not woke enough, we're not influential enough, we're not good enough, is something that we've probably even talked about this morning on the way to church. I don't know. So if you see, uh, or as, as you probably see, enough spreads its seeds all over. Enough is like a weed that grows up around us and it chokes us. The weed of enough is debilitating. And as Christians, we're not exempt, ex- exempt from this at all. We import this into our spiritual lives as well. I remember when I became a new Christian uh, as a teenager, and uh, that happened at a summer camp, and then I returned to this next summer camp the next year, and I thought it was awesome. And one of my favorite parts was seeing these godly men and women talking about their faith, and I was like, wow, those people are really close to God. Like, I want what they have. I need that. I want to be like them. I want to be able to connect to God in the same way that they connect to God. And I remember going that night. We kind of had like the the youth group fire circle up sort of thing, where you kind of debrief the day, you know. And I remember raising my hand and asking my youth pastor, like, how how do I how do I pray? Like, how do I connect to God in the same way that these guys do, that these guys and gals do? And I'll never forget his answer. He was like, "Well, just pray more. Just pray more." And I instantly felt deflated, because I felt like I'm not praying and like. I'm obviously not praying enough. I already thought I was praying a lot, but I instantly felt like I wasn't praying enough. Maybe you've been told similar things from spiritual leaders in your life. Oh, just do more. You're not enough right now. Just do more. Just do more. Obviously, we feel like we don't pray enough. Well, Jesus' disciples had been walking with him day in and day out for several years by the time uh, we have this, today's uh, gospel reading from Luke They've listened to him teach. They've seen him love the unlovable. They've seen him confront evil in really powerful but also really gentle ways. And they want what he has. They want to connect to God in the same way that they see him connecting to God. Lord, teach us how to pray, they say. We're not good enough in this department. We need your help. We see what you have and we want it. Now, I don't know about you, but I read this passage this morning. I hear these words, and I'm really encouraged by that. Like, I love that the same struggles that I have today in 2019, it's the same thing that these dudes are struggling with all the way back then. It's the same thing. This is a question, this whole enough thing is a question that is as old as our faith itself. And Jesus doesn't give them a pat answer at all. He doesn't say, yeah, guys, I've been listening to your prayer life, and you just need to stop. Like, this isn't any good. Like, he doesn't do that. No. You know what? Jesus loves this question. He loves it. Like, I'm sure if we were there, if we had like a film camera on, I'm sure he's smiling as soon as they start asking this question. He's probably like, I've been waiting for this. Like, I want to tell you about this so bad. This is going to be great. Let's circle up, guys. Let's talk about this. And he gives them an answer that is so simple So beautiful, so profound that it has fueled the faith of disciples for literally thousands of years. We're still praying the prayer that he taught us. We're still drawing from these passages. It still brings comfort to our hearts, to our souls. It still feeds us. It's fueled us for a long time. So right now we're in the season of ordinary time, which as I said, because I'm sure everyone remembers absolutely everything I said, six weeks ago I said it's my favorite season, I love ordinary time a lot, I love green, I think green's super cool, I love grass, I love rain, (laughs) I love ordinary time, because we get to take all, we get to talk about the great things of God that he's been doing throughout history, and we get to talk about how they impact us in our daily walk, Monday through Saturday, not just Sunday on feast days and stuff. So I hope today is encouraging to you, and I hope today that you hear Jesus saying to you to stop being oppressed by the word enough. Stop letting that tangle around and choke you. Hear Jesus say to you, I'm here. I love you, and I've got the words for you. I'm going to teach you how to do this. This is going to be great. So there's three things. You'll notice that our our gospel passage is uh comes in three paragraphs. And so there's three things uh, that I'd like to, to glean through this. And we could spend, I mean, this could be a whole summer series, just this, this portion from Luke. So we're going to blitz through this pretty quickly. And I'm sure you're going to have more insights about this sort of stuff than I'm able even to share in a sermon. That's great. That just shows the riches and the depths of our Holy Scripture and the words of our Lord. So the first thing that I'd like to point out from this passage comes from the first section. And that is God provides a design to our prayers. God gives us a design to our prayers. Like, how cool is that? Jesus says, okay, when you pray, say this. Like, he literally gives them the words to say. I know that's really simple, but I think that's a big deal. Because Jesus isn't saying, okay, so um, let's talk about your heart first. Let's talk about your feelings. And go and make sure your heart is in the right place. Sit in the room and go figure all that out. And then when you're ready, then come pray. No, he gives us the form before the feelings. Some might even say he gives some liturgy. I, I don't know. Maybe that's a stretch. Maybe I'm biased. I think there's some liturgical tones to this. <laughs> we'll leave that for, for our picnic conversation. But he gives the form of prayer before expecting feeling. Have you ever been reluctant to go to a party or to a meeting or something because you know, you know that person is there, right? And, and what do you tell yourself or what does your spouse or your, a friend tell you? So just go, be nice to him, put on a smile, and, and that's it. You know, I'm not asking you to be his friend. Just put on a smile and be nice. And so you do that. You go through the motions, you put on a smile, and all of a sudden you, you've sort of tricked yourself. You're like actually enjoying the conversation with this person. You're like, wow, that wasn't, like what do you say to yourself? You say, that wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be, right? Sometimes you have to smile in order to warm your heart up a little bit. And sometimes I think that's what it's like to pray. Sometimes you have to say the words. And I'm going sort of fake it till you make it, right? But you need to say the words and sometimes your heart will follow. Don't wait for your heart to always be there. I think what Jesus is telling us, I want to hear you pray. Here's the words. To, here's the words. So Jesus could have said, um, "Yeah, use these words." So Jesus teaches us, or as we as Jesus teaches uh, this prayer, we see that it's a prayer that comes in six lines, six lines, and it, and you could even div- uh, divvy this up into three sections. The first part's focused on God. The second part is focused on ourself. And the third part is focused on our community. Do you see how that flows through this prayer? From God to self to community. And like I said, we could spend we could probably preach a sermon on each one of those lines. There's just so much there's so much that's in here, but we're going to move through this pretty quickly. So it starts with God. Jesus tells his disciples to address God Almighty as Father. The same intimate relationship that Jesus has with God, he wants us to have with God. He wants us to address God as our Father. Holy and perfect is his name. And Father, may your kingdom come. May your rule, your justice, your peace, your goodness, may that come here on earth. We want your rule here. And then it moves to the self. Give us our bread. Regard not our sins. Forgive us, Lord. Now sometimes it feels a little silly to pray for the mundane things in our lives. But we're supposed to do this. God cares about the seemingly mundane things in our lives. In other words, he wants us to realize that even the mundane, even the simple things like bread come from him. We rely on him. We need to focus ourselves on him as the source of all good things. And then the prayer moves to the the community. Help us to forgive those who are still in debt to us, those who sin against us, those who've trespassed against us. Help us to forgive them because we don't want any animosity between us. We want this sin to be removed from our community. So heal us, Lord, and lead us away from temptation. May we not sin anymore and inf- infect this community any further. Help us to remain faithful to you. So I just love this. I, I I realize I keep saying this, but I just think it's so remarkable that God, in his great kindness, in his grace, gives us a prayer to pray. It's so beautiful. He gives a design for our prayer. So if you're here this morning, and maybe maybe you're brand new to this whole Christianity thing, maybe you don't pray much, give this prayer a shot. So this week I, I just wrote it down on a little card, a little index card. It didn't even fill up the whole thing. It's, it's really short, as you can see. And I just left it on my desk and I tried to pray that as much as I could, multiple times throughout the day. And I'll tell you, this affects your soul. It reorients you to God throughout the day. And you probably notice, too, that this prayer, it can act as scaffolding to the rest of prayer. It can be a launch pad to additional prayer. The Holy Spirit might grab your heart at a particular point and just cause you to go on and on. So again, if you need some liturgy for your prayer life, This is not a bad place to start. I think when Jesus tells us, when you pray, pray these words, I think we should, I don't know, when we pray, pray these words. (laughs) It's not a bad place to start, right? Okay, so the second point that I like to talk about comes from the parable that Jesus tells in this passage. Jesus tells the story of a man who receives a guest in the middle of the night. And it's really unfortunate timing not just because it's in the middle of the night, but because there's no food in the pantry right now. So this friend is super embarrassed, wants to provide for his guest. And so what does he do? He runs next door. He starts pounding on the door. Well, the sleeping friend is not amused in the least. He's like a good American. Like, he wants to call the cops on this person who's who's on his porch in the middle of the night. That's what an American would do, right? But so this man, he's insistent, though. He just keeps on knocking, right? He wants to take care of this guest who arrived at his home, who's no doubt exhausted, who's hungry. And he feels that if he doesn't feed his guest, he's somehow breaking the societal rules of hospitality. And in the Middle East, that's a big deal. This man, no doubt, has seen his parents take care of others who come into his home. He's probably uh, been the recipient of such great hospitality as he's traveled. And so he knows that hospitality is one of the the integral fabrics of their culture, of their society. And he wants to partake in that. He doesn't want to bring shame upon himself or his family by not offering hospitality to this guest. Every fiber in his being wants to take care of this guest. And so what he does is he goes next door and just starts knocking right away on that door. And Jesus says to us, be like that guy. Be like that person. Keep knocking on the door. Now, there's ways in which parables can kind of be stretched to say things that is not intended in the text. So Jesus is not saying God is like this cranky guy who's asleep and he really doesn't like it when you wake him up at night. Like, he might call the cops on you. Like, that's not what Jesus is saying, okay? Furthermore, it's not meant to be a name-it-and-claim-it kind of thing. Jesus isn't saying, if you just keep asking, if you just keep asking, if you just keep asking, you're eventually going to get that catalog. Awesome. Great. Like, that's not the the message of this. No, the point is that the Father desires your prayers. The Father wants to hear from you. He wants to hear from you frequently, frequently. He wants you to be persistent. He wants you, when there are needs in your life or you just want to talk to God, He wants you, with every fiber of your being, to be so compelled to go and talk to Him about it. He wants to hear from you, He wants to speak with you. I think there's something else that's hidden in this passage, too, that that we don't always hear about. What is it that this man goes next door and asks for? It's not just bread, it's bread for a friend. It's bread for a guest. It's bread for somebody else. This man is petitioning on behalf of somebody else. It's good to pray for yourself, as we just saw in in the Lord's Prayer immediately above this. It's good to pray for yourself. But it's also really good to be praying for the needs of other people as well. We can't be self-centered in our prayer life. Father, my friend doesn't have any bread. Can you please provide for him? So God by his love gives us a design for prayer. God desires our prayer. And then this is the best part. God delivers. God delivers. Jesus uses more vivid language to make this point this last point. He says, "Look, some of you out there are dads. And you love to give good gifts to your kids, don't you?" And then Jesus is like, "Now, no offense, but you're also evil." Like, you're, you're not always the best dads. You probably get a short temper sometime and you lose your cool. You might yell at your kids a little bit. Maybe when they're sleeping, you eat their Halloween candy. I don't know. Uh, maybe that one day that you were supposed to pick up the kids, you kind of forgot and they had to hang out in the library for a really long time. So if you, who sometimes stink at your job as a dad know how to still give good gifts to your kids, then how much more so does your Father in Heaven know how to provide and bless His children? In fact, He gives the best gifts. He gives the best gifts. He gives us His very presence. When you bow your head in prayer, the Spirit of God Himself is with you. The Comforter who puts His arm around you in times of grief. The counselor who gives you insight and wisdom in difficult situations. The healer who mends your wounds and fills us with his strength. Now, we're not promised nice things and easy times. That's that's what the televangelists try to do to you. But that's not biblical. That's not what Jesus promises us. No, but he does promise us his Holy Spirit. He promises that he will be with us and that he never departs from us. And if that's not true... This whole church thing, this would have fizzled out a long, long, long time ago. A faith doesn't continue for two millennia unless this is true, unless people have been encountering the real presence of Jesus Christ through prayer. Ours is a good Father, and he gives us his Holy Spirit. You can tell I haven't preached in a while because my throat's starting to get a little scratchy. (laughs) I need some water. So a buddy and I, uh, back when we were teenagers, we used to run a lawn mowing company, and it was a lot of fun because it was an easy way to make cash, just drive around, uh, push the lawnmower around, and and go and collect money. But for some reason, you know what part I really hated about cutting lawns? It was getting gas. I don't know why. Maybe it's because a gas station I just thought was like 10 minutes away and I thought that was too far. Like I hated getting gas. I don't know why. And so because of that, as you might imagine, as a kid who mowed lawns, I ran out of gas all the time. Like it was, it was a joke. Like it was really stupid how often I ran out of gas. In fact, I I usually knew when I was going to run out of gas because I'd open up the lawnmower and I'd look inside and say, yep, I only got a little bit left. Well, let's mow the lawn and see what happens. Like, I wasn't, I wasn't the brightest kid in the world. And then this is where it gets really dumb. Sometimes I would run out of gas, and I'd say, I bet I can fix this. And I'd go up to the lawnmower, and I'd start pulling the, the what do you call it, the crank or the starter. Like, I'd start pulling that thing again. Like, I thought, maybe if I pull hard enough, that sucker's just going to kick right back up, you know? See, I was expecting to cut the grass Without any gas. I was expecting action from my lawnmower without actually filling it up. I was expecting output without giving it any input. Now, some of you are really haunted by this word enough. I hear it in our conversations, I see it online <laughs> through our social posting. The enough word is all around. And we think that we can cut down the weeds of enough with an empty gas tank. We think that we can attack it with an empty gas tank. And that's about just as smart as me going up to my lawnmower and just pulling on that cord. It's not going to go anywhere. The weeds of enough are still going to be there. So friends, come to the Father in prayer and fill up your tank. Fill it up. This is where it happens. This is where your tank gets filled. The voices of enough, they might not totally go away. They'll be there. That's kind of what weeds do. They always grow back, no matter how often you mow them or whatever. But when you fill up your tank, they won't have any mastery over you anymore. You see, you have a God who died for you. You have a God who has adopted you. You have a God who loves you, who wants to be with you, who actually gives you the words to say to him when you, when you don't know what words to say. He's the one who provides for you. He desires to hear from you. And he delivers his Holy Spirit to us. He is our good, good Father. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.